Well, good morning, everybody. Wonderful to see you. Over the course of my life, I've come to the firm belief that there are two very different kinds of people on this planet. And I'm not talking about men and women, you know, people who carry purses and people who don't. Those are too easy. I'm, I'm talking about those who can find stuff and those who can't find stuff. Two very different kinds of people. My wife, Roxanne, my precious wife, Roxanne, can. How many of you want to guess what group I fall in? Can't. Can't find stuff. In fact, this purse, this is my wife's purse, for those of you who are guests. Not my purse. My wife's purse, her real purse. And I'm telling you, I can search in this purse, this bottomless pit, for two hours for something and totally miss it, even if it's right in front of my face. Not that in this barrel of stuff, it's always in front of my face. In fact, I just thought, because I asked her for her purse, I thought I would share with you how difficult it is to find things, to justify myself. Now, some typical stuff, glasses, tissue paper, I borrow that once in a while. Okay, then it starts getting a little bit odd. Um, I, I don't carry makeup. A lot of you women do. Huge thing of makeup. This is as big as a, most purses, right? It's in this purse. Then, I thought this was really, really odd. A pair. Really? A pair in her purse. Pull it out. And then, who needs this in their purse? Uh, Okay, I've got to come clean. I planted this. Uh, But it's like it should be in there. And then, how about about this? Really? Let's put a Tweety Bird coffee cup in our purse. And then you got post-it. You got every... I can't find anything in this purse ever but... Boy, my wife. She can have a grandkid in one arm, be cooking, be talking on the telephone pole. Telephone pole, well, you know. (laughs) Depends on what generation you're from. You know, we kind of live at Green Acres. But she can be talking on the telephone, and she can reach over to this purse and pull out exactly what she's looking for in seconds without even looking. I mean, how does she do that? Because there are two very different kinds of people on this planet. Those who can find stuff and those who can't find stuff. It's absolutely bizarre. And it's been a part of my life ever since I was young. It's not like this is an age-oriented development. All of my life, no matter how long I would look, I couldn't find stuff. I can look and I can look and I can look in the refrigerator, in a drawer, in the closet, and I can't find stuff. I'll come and I'll say, Roxanne, there is no way it's there. She'll walk in, she'll pull it out and go, then what's this? I'm telling you, I believe she's demon-possessed because that's the only way this could be happening. I mean, it's like she's making it appear, but that's how she is. She can find stuff. Now, in order to make sure that I have some company here, I'm just curious, how many of you are like me? You can't find stuff. Raise your hand. All right. Terrific. Thank you so very much. And how many of you are like my demon-possessed wife? And you can, huh? Okay. You're amazing people, those of you who can find things. It's crazy. Now, what, what I'd like to do is I would like to proudly share not one of my weaknesses like I just did, but I'd like to proudly share 
one of my strengths. This is where Roxanne and I reverse roles, where I can and she can't. And it has to do with these magic eye pictures. And if you're in one of our live campus experiences, we have it in your program. You can pull it out. And if you're watching online, then you can see it on the screens. It'll show up a little bit. But these are magic eye pictures. If you've never seen these before, inside this two-dimensional picture is a 3D image that you don't just see. You have to work at. You have to pull it out. Now, to help you, because I can see it, my wife can't see it, For those of you who can't, this is what you do. You look at this thing, and you let your eyes go totally blurry, but stay focused on the picture, and then all of a sudden, the 3D image will burst out. Some people say you have to cross your eyes, and it'll come out. But somehow, you have to get your eyes blurry. Question, how many of you can see it? Okay, some of you can. And what is the image inside the picture? Yeah, it's a 3D image of a cross. Now, those of you who can't see it, you're going, there's no cross in this picture. There's no way. You guys are pulling our chain. No, there really is a 3D image inside that picture, and it's a beautiful thing. Now, I know that because I've been pastoring and teaching a long time. I know that I have now lost every single one of you who haven't found it yet. The, the rest of the talk, thank you, creative team. The rest of the talk, this is what I'm going to see. You know, you're not going to hear a word I say. And, and the people next to you aren't going to hear a word I say because you're going to be going, where is it? Help me find it. It's not really there. So this is going to be a lost experience. I'll enjoy talking to myself for the rest of the weekend. But, but if you have seen it and you can stay connected to me, here's the deal. The 3D image of the cross that is in this magic eye picture is always present in the picture. It's always there. It doesn't just show up or get placed there when you see it. It's always in the picture. It's just that most people miss it. You're going to miss it. You're not going to see it until you take the time to find it. But when you do, the hidden image kind of changes you. It changes the way you look at this picture. It changes the way you look at this piece. In fact, once you see it, you'll never look at it the same again. You'll never settle for just the colors. You'll have to see the cross. It's kind of the interesting thing about the magic eye. You're going to look for its deeper picture. Well, the magic eye is a powerful metaphor of how most people live their lives. It really is. Because most people only see and experience the surface realities of the world. You know, those surface realities that are beautiful, that God created for us. But, but in the process, they totally miss Him. They, they, they never see Him. Even though He's always there, He doesn't just show up when we see Him. He's always there. He's in every experience that we have, and yet most people miss Him. They just see the surface realities. They love and they enjoy what he created, but they don't know or enjoy him. And it's sad. It's like they're just sleepwalking through life. They're settling for two-dimensional living instead of three-dimensional living. They're missing life's potential. They're missing the deeper meaning. And I want you to see how this connects to our life story. Because truly, 
most of our stories are at the surface. And until we go deeper and find the reality of God in our lives, we'll be living in a black and white world instead of a world of color. And we decided to share a story of a young couple here at Northridge who are the perfect illustration of this reality. Watch. When we first met, we, uh, well, things were great. Brandon was in a band. Brandon's hair, how long was your hair? It was, it was, it was like, it was that like long. Yeah. yeah. People called us hippies, which I think is funny. But we did all the things I guess a hippie would do. And we got married, which was like, you know, the, the climax of it all. You know, what more is there to life than this? This is great. All the colors of the evening sun on your sweet face. Take me home. We were sitting around one night, uh, just like we did, you know, like a normal weekday night, just the two of us. Uh, and we were, I think we were getting high, and we were drinking. And, <laughs> we were getting high. Yeah. We were flipping through the television stations, and we found this, this Barbara Walters special on uh, what happens after we die. What is heaven, I think was the title of it. I just asked Brandon, so what do you think about heaven? And he just looked at me with this blank look and he said, I, I don't really know. Like, you know, kind of like, I never really thought about it before. And for some reason, it just hit me so hard. Like, if I don't even know what you think about God, then how do I even know like who you are and do we really even know each other? And so I kind of took the blinders off of the partying and the whole blurry, lifestyle we were living and I really started to think about who are you but then even more I started to think about well who am I what do I think about God and I didn't know and it freaked me out and so I told him that I didn't want to be married to him anymore and that I wanted to get a divorce and so then I moved in with my parents so for me it was really shocking and, and devastating it was as if like the life had been sucked out of our relationship we, we still loved each other, we thought, well, I thought, anyway. But like some, something had changed. It was, our, our relationship was different because of this conversation, this little interaction. There was a weight there that, um, that just, just had to be worked through. A close friend of mine invited me to church. I thought, you know what, I don't really want to go to church, but, uh, but I don't have anything to do, you know, on this Saturday night or whatever. But after attending a couple of times, uh, and, and sort of kind of being woken up to whatever was going on there. I realized that, that there's something happening here in, in these people. So he started calling, he was calling me every day, you know, and I would hang up on him where I'd say, don't you understand, I need time, like, I don't want to be doing this. And then he started calling me and saying, you know, I know that this is God's plan for us, and I know that um, it's all going to work out. And I'm like, what? Like, God's plan? Like, what is he doing in his time away from me sort of thing and so that was intriguing for me and so it was like we started dating although we were married but we started to go out on dates and our conversations were deeper we started to get to know each other you know my husband I started to really get to know you it was so weird it was like I started to fall in love with Brandon and fall in love with God at the same time it was like I wanted them so bad in my life and now, I mean, we have like the greatest relationship. Like I love him so much and our relationship is centered around God. So we've been together for, for almost 10 years now. It's just amazing that God is always at work. I mean, he used Barbara Walters to get to two 20 somethings. We're getting high, hanging out one night. I mean, 
I don't think I've ever watched a Barbara Walters show and God used it to prompt us to want him. And then from that day on, we have been after him and searching for him. I mean, we're, we're two completely different people, two changed people. Being saved, being baptized, and now we actually are both in full-time ministry. It's not rational. I mean, I could never have painted this picture. I could never have told this story. So we don't know what he's got in store next. Who knows? But we know with him at the center of what we're doing, him at the center of our marriage, our relationship, uh, we know it's just going to be great. Ain't that awesome? Seriously. Their life is illustrated by this magic eye picture. It really is. They were living their entire lives on the surface, superficially. And then when they started getting glimpses of the deeper realities of life and started seeing glimpses of God, it messed them up. It started changing the whole dynamics of their life. And it was a tough journey. But ultimately, it's led them to experiencing life in its fullness, their relationship in its fullness, because they're seeing the whole picture. Life is becoming three-dimensional. Here's the reality that I want you all to consider as it relates to your own lives. Most people breathing today, most people still breathing on this planet are just like Brandon and Jamie were, just sleepwalking through life living on the surface but totally missing God and the life he created them to know and to enjoy. Isolated from God and as a result, isolated and disconnected from one another. Even their most intimate relationships, disconnected from. Because without God in the picture, there's no dimension. They're sleepwalking through life. They're marking time because the only time they have is now instead of investing their time because they know they have eternity. Most people in this world are looking for meaning. As a pastor who has the privilege of knowing a ton of people, I, most people are so involved in the struggle of trying to find meaning. But when you find God, you don't look for meaning. You live with meaning. It's an entirely different deal. And, and I have to tell you, though I've been on this journey for a long time, I, in the course of this summer when I've been kind of doing some introspection and some personal reflection on where my life is, am I really fully living, fully embracing my potential? Am I, am I really seeing the full dynamic of God as it relates to my life? I've been wrestling with a truth that's becoming unforgettable in my life and in this series, unforgettable. I, I just need to share it, my own personal deal. And it's pounding in on me and maybe God will use it to, you know, pound in on you in a positive way as well. Here's the truth. We're never fully awake in life until we're fully awake to God. We're never fully awake in life until we're fully awake to God. And this is in every area. I'm learning that I'm not fully awake in life to who I am, to myself, until I'm fully awake to who God is because he's the one that wired me up. He's the one that created me. I'm not fully awake to others. And 
what they're like and, and the relationship I can have with them and the meaning they can add to my life and I can add to their life until I'm fully awake to God because God's the one that shapes those relationships. And I'm not fully awake to this world. Can't even get it. Can't even figure it out, which is why many of us are complaining and whining most of the time instead of experiencing life. It's because until we're fully awake to God, we'll never be fully awake to this world. And what I want to do this weekend is I just want to share some passages that I believe can inspire you in this quest as they have me. And if, you've, if you don't listen to a word I say because you're still trying to find the picture in, you know, the magic ideal, at least write down the passages that I give you and spend some time in them later. Let them shake you up like they've been shaking me up. Here's the one, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 16, that inspired the unforgettable truth. It's talking to those of us who've put our faith in Jesus, who are trying to live our lives in the Lord. And it talks about the transformation. Brandon said we're two different people now that God's at the center. And this is what this passage talks about, being fully awake. Look what it says. For you were once darkness. I mean, your life, though you were created to be light, you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. He's transformed you. So live as children of the light. And then he describes light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's what's supposed to come out of the life of those of us who are awake to God. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Find the Lord in your life. Find out what pleases Him in your life. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. That's for people who don't know Him. But rather, expose those deeds, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, and this is the Bible, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and then Christ will shine on you. Realize there's more to life. There's deeper realities, deeper meaning, deeper value in life. Wake up, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise. Don't just skip along on the surface thinking that's all there is, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I have to tell you, my greatest longing in life these days is to be fully awake to God so I can be fully awake to life. It hasn't always been true of me. I haven't always had that as one of my primary desires. In fact, there are times still that it isn't. But in my heart of hearts these days, I really want to be fully awake to God in my life, in my relationships. I don't want to miss any more of my life. I've missed too much already. I don't want to leave any of my potential untapped because I've already left too much untapped in my life. I don't want to miss life because I'm settling for the superficial and not looking deeper. I don't want to sleepwalk anymore. How about you? But if I'm going to go beyond the sleepwalking, the living in the superficial world that so many live in, then I have to know it doesn't just happen. You don't just see God. It's not like he just presents himself in a vision. You have to, you have to take the time and you have to do the things necessary to discover him. A lot of you were kind of looking at this thing. You go, there's no cross in there. There's no cross. And, you know, I told you to blur your eyes and go cross. I know. You know, and you, it's like if it doesn't happen immediately, you're not going to do it. And some of you who didn't see the cross, 
We'll throw this thing away, and you'll never even make the attempt to see it. You'll settle for the superficial. And when it comes to this picture, who cares? But many of us do the exact same thing when it comes to God. If it doesn't come easy, we give up. I mean, hey, I've gone to church a couple of times, and, you know, God's never, I've never seen it. It just seems irrelevant to me. I'm done. Well, here's what I've been discovering. No matter how long you've been in the journey, or how shortly, there are some things you have to do if you're really going to have God in all of his reality wake up in your life. These are some things I've been discovering. Here's the first one. Waking up to God and thus waking up fully to life requires, and I apologize on the front end for using this word in public, requires discipline. I'm sorry, I had to say it. That's not what we want to hear. What we want to hear is that we spent our whole life eating Twinkies and getting 20,000 tons overweight and just changing our mind changes everything. That's what we want to hear. But it doesn't, does it? I mean, waking up to physical health requires discipline. Waking up to God requires discipline. In fact, let me just read a passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. This is what God says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize, only one wins? So if you're going to run in a race, run in such a way as to get the prize to win. And then he goes to an Olympic illustration. You know, ancient Greece is the home of the Olympics. And everyone who competes in the Olympic Games goes into strict training, disciplined training. And they do it to, you know, win the race, to get a crown that will not last. But we, and now he's making an application to knowing God, but we who are seeking to know God to be fully alive in life, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So this is what I do, Paul says. I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. I'm not going to live haphazardly. No, I beat my body and make it my slave. I discipline myself so that after I've proclaimed truth to others, I myself don't become disqualified for the prize. I don't lose. There are a lot of things in that passage, but here's what I want you to see. If you're going to really wake up to God and fully wake up to your life, It requires discipline, the discipline of choice. Michael Phelps comes to mind. He's the most decorated Olympian ever. He didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to win gold. He had to discipline himself to make the choice to live a very different life than his friends lived. He had to eliminate all distractions and He had to discipline himself to make effort. He had to live in a pool, and not just live in the pool, allow a person to brutalize him with heavy effort in order to tap all of his potential. And as a result, he won gold. He disciplined himself. He eliminated distractions. He he committed himself to effort. Not only that, he disciplined himself to keep making the investment, to persevere, knowing that If he did, he'd get the best out of himself. And and you know, all God's saying is, you really want to know God? You're not going to pull up to a spiritual ATM machine called church and, you know, put in an hour and get out all there is to know of God. 
You're not going to get up and read a little 15-minute devotional in the morning called Our Daily Bread and, you know, read someone else's thoughts and everything comes to the It is going to take the discipline of choice to eliminate other distractions, to commit yourself to the effort investment of knowing God and seeing God and persevering and ultimately to come out. Roxanne really can't see this image yet. She's led the creative team to help us develop this entire service to put this in the program and she's going totally by faith that there's a picture in there. Hasn't seen it yet, but she's committed. I, I believe if she perseveres and she keeps doing it, I've never seen anyone that can cross her eyes as well as Roxanne, and I'm being very serious, and I, she's going to see that picture. She may be 80 before she sees it, but she's going to see the picture. The same thing is true with knowing God. It's not easy. Come on, it's not easy. I'm tired of people making it seem like it is. But it's doable. It takes the discipline of choice and effort and investment and perseverance. I've also found waking up to God requires another word that's tough to say in our culture. Obedience. Waking up to God requires obedience. Look at how he says it in Romans chapter 13 verses 8 through 12. This is Paul the apostle again. Let no debt remain outstanding. Pay your debts. Accept the continuing debt to love one another. This is a debt you'll never pay off. You have to keep loving. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. You want to be obedient to God's way of living? Love others. And then look what he says. The commandments, you know, the Ten Commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Whatever other commandments there may be, this is what he says. They're all summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. You want to be obedient? You have to love. And then look at where it goes. And do this, you know, loving others, being obedient, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night's nearly over. The day is almost here. Put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. All God is saying there is simple. You want to wake up to God? You've got to be obedient. And a lot of people go, you know, why does he want to keep his thumb on us? Why does he want to hold us back? Why does he want to keep us back? That's not why he wants us to be obedient. He knows the direction to where he is. And until we follow his directions, we're never going to get to him. You're not going to get to Yellowstone by going in the opposite direction. And many of us are trying to know God, but we're trying to know him on our terms. It doesn't work. It takes obedience. So if I'm going to wake up to God, then I have to, I have to apply discipline, and I have to be obedient and I'll be honest with you, one of the reasons I'm not always awake to God and one of the reasons I'm not always fully awake in my life is because I'm not disciplined. I'm not obedient. Could that be your problem? If you're at all like me, what you do is you blame God. You know, you're not even here. You're not showing up. You're ignoring. You've gone on vacation. You're, you're not who you said you were. You're not fulfilling your promises. But he's going... I haven't gone anywhere. I'm right there with you, always there, always present. The problem isn't me or my promises. The promise, problem is you. 
the problem is me. I'm also discovering that if we're really going to wake up to God, then it requires involvement. Involvement. And it's interesting to me, and I've been a part of it, it's interesting to me that very often the spiritual pursuit that we involve people in is one of sitting and listening instead of standing and being involved. But Jesus didn't say, come and listen to me, come and sit and be passive. Jesus said, come, follow me. If we're really going to wake up to God, it takes involvement. And can I just tell you, this makes sense. Because it's the same way in life, in every arena. I'll give you a couple of illustrations, real-world illustrations. Um, I had the privilege of having some time away this year with my family. In fact, five days in Traverse City with all three of our adult children and all of our grandkids. and our, It was fantastic time. Five days in Traverse City. You need to know something about me. Um, though I'm not a big sleeper, I don't like sleep in in the morning. Even if I want to, I don't sleep in. I'm really good at doing nothing when I have the chance. I mean, it's one of the things I have. And vacation, do nothing. Vacation, do nothing. That kind of goes with me, right? And so even though I'm going to wake up, it's going to be like, I'm going to do nothing today. First day of our vacation in Traverse City, my oldest daughter comes to me and says, Dad, it's the greatest thing. I've been doing some research online, and you'll never guess what I found. And I said, if it's not a big donut doing nothing, I don't care. You know, she said, she said I found a place we could do spin class together. If you don't know what spin class is, don't look into it. It is modern-day torture, right? And then she goes, Dad, and it's really great. It's not going to mess up our day at all because it's at 6 in the morning. If you only knew what I was thinking inside. It had something to do with a blank and no. You know what I mean? It's like, no, not doing it. But, you know, all of a sudden I heard myself on the outside saying, that'd be great, honey. What am I doing? You know, it's like, we got up at like 5 in the morning and we drove to the spin class and we did, and it was one of the best days I've had on vacation in a long time because I involved myself in really living at 6 in the morning and I was wide awake for the next hour. Then I slept the rest of the day. No, not really. I mean, I, that was a great day. And then there was another day. Everybody, went, let's go see the dunes. I said, I'm into seeing the dunes, driving the dunes. But then, no, we had to stop. And I don't know if you've seen this over there. But there's a dune like this that goes all the way down to Lake Michigan. And they said, let's go down. I said, that's not the part I'm worried about. But we did. And I got involved. And I, two of them sat up top and four of us went down. And going down was so much fun. It was so easy. It was awesome. And then we had to come up. But I was involved. I got to experience the dunes. That was a great day. We took a... I don't know if you follow me on Facebook or not. If you don't, thanks. I really appreciate your support. But uh, on, on Facebook, I posted a picture of us doing this. And it was... Here's what I came away from those two experiences, realizing the more involved I am, the more alive I am. And it transfers to spirituality. I believe the reason so many of us, even if we really want to know God, we don't know God is because we're not involved. Let me give you an example in my spiritual life. I sat in churches all of my life growing up because my parents made me. And I hated it more and more and more, year after year after year, and finally gave up on the whole mess. 
I just didn't get it. But then along the way, late in my teens, after a couple of transactions happened in my own relationship with God, I, I made the choice to go to Ireland with 30 other young people on a spiritual trip. And we were there building, rebuilding an orphanage, and we were there kind of riding 10 speeds around and having spiritual conversations with people. And I'm telling you, it was the very first time in my life I'd ever been involved spiritually. I'd sat, but I'd never been involved. That trip changed my life. It was the first time I got involved in really reading the Bible on a daily basis. It changed me. It was the first time I ever got involved in spiritual conversations that, that could impact me. It changed me. It was the first time I ever got involved in helping others instead of helping myself, and it changed me. And it was the first time I ever got up in front of people and shared my faith in Jesus, and it changed me. The reason I'm here today is because I finally got involved, and it reoriented my whole life. You will never totally wake up to God by just coming and sitting. This is a great part of it because you get to hear, you get to be impacted, you get to be motivated. But if you don't get up and get involved, you're wasting your time. Because involvement changes us. Waking up to God demands involvement. And it demands involvement two ways. Involvement with God. You have to start being involved with him. Look at, look at what the Bible says in Genesis 6, 9. Talking about Noah, you know, the guy who built the ark. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and it was a very, very dark time. And here's why. He walked with God. He was involved. And you might be saying, well, how do I... I don't know how to get involved with God. Well, let me just give you one illustration. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed, satisfied, content is the man the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. If you don't want to be like them, don't be involved with them. But then it says, get involved with God. This person's delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He's literally involved in seeking God and walking with God and pouring into God. And this is what happens like a tree planted by the streams of water is what they become like, yielding their fruit in their season. Their leaf doesn't wither like most people's and whatever they do, prospers get involved with god stop just settling with someone feeding out gerber's spiritual food for you and get involved yourself and then get involved with other people that trip to ireland changed me because it was the first time i got involved with other people and i made myself accountable and let them challenge me and i began noticing their needs and serving them as they served me and we started experiencing generosity and we started sharing with each other and with the world it changed me and it reminds me of acts chapter 2 you might write that down and read it sometime in acts chapter 2 they were together and that's when god came and showed up in a powerful way and that little beginning of a church literally turned the Roman Empire upside down. And what was the secret? They were involved with God and involved with each other, serving each other and being generous with each other in the world. It was an amazing deal. Let me challenge you. I have found that the more involved I am with God, the healthier and more energized I am in my relationship with God. The less, the more unhealthy and de-energized. The more involved I am with other people, the more healthy I am spiritually and more energized I am. And the less involved, the less. And here's what I'm seeing. Most of us are very little involved, if at all. How are you involved? 
And I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to open something up for you. Do you want to see the world in living color or do you want to keep living small? Get involved. And then there's this last thing, and it's, it's a rediscovery. It's not a new discovery for me, but I keep forgetting, and I'll tell you how in a second. But if I'm going to really wake up to God, keep seeing life as it really is, it requires Jesus, no exceptions. Jesus. You see, we can't wake up without him. Waking up to God without Jesus is like trying to see this 3D image with your eyes closed. It's not going to happen. And you may say, well, hey, come on, you don't do that. Yes, I do. You know what happens over time? Over time, I start trying to do it on my own, leaving Jesus out of the equation. I try and work really hard. I try and serve really hard. I try and give my best. I try and do my best. I try and, you know, honor, please God. I try and leverage all the things I can do to get from God. And, all. and, and I'm leaving Jesus out of the whole picture. But look at what Jesus said in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. I, I believe you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some longing to look into your life and wake up to the reality of God and to fully wake up to who you were created to be. But I think too often we're working really hard to do it on our own, and we're just not turning to Jesus and letting him open our eyes. Could that be you? I just really want to encourage you. Open your eyes to Jesus. In fact, let me read one more verse. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 20. This is so huge. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. I mean, you think you're fully awake, and other people think you're fully awake, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I've not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. This is Jesus talking to us. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I'm going to show up and you'll miss it. You won't even know that I'm there. And then verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. This is written to those of us who know Jesus already. Very often we know him, but we've shut him out. Very often we know him, but we're not depending on him. And I just want to encourage you, open your life to Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never opened your life, this is where life changes. Brandon and Jamie said it. Once they opened their life to Jesus, the entire dynamic of their life was transformed. And the same can happen to you. Just before I give you the conclusion of the talk, would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment? And if you're watching church online, I just really, really encourage you to do the same. Contemplate this moment. If you're a believer and you've kind of been shutting Jesus out of your life a little bit, doing it on your own, not disciplining yourself, not obeying, not getting involved, these are the decisions you need to make. But if you're here today and you've never put your faith in him, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to encourage you, take my words in this prayer and make them the expression of your heart to God in your heart, quietly, just say, God, right now, I'm hearing the knock and I'm opening the door. 
I, I've been walking in life without you. I've sinned against you. But I believe, Jesus, you died on that cross for my sin and rose again. And by faith, I'm asking you to forgive me and change me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me and you're in one of our live worship experiences, I just really encourage you to take the program that we handed you before you came in. And there's a connection card inside. Just rip it out. It's so simple. Fill it out. And on the bottom, put a check mark in that circle where it says you prayed with me to receive Jesus, if you did. And then when you're leaving, there are boxes at every single exit, and all you have to do is throw it in there. And here's what we want to do. We want to send you a letter about next steps you can take in your relationship with God. Let us know you made this decision. And if you're watching online, just hit what next, and we'll do the same thing for you. Now, here's how I want to end it. Once you're awake... You're awake to God. You're awake to his love. You're awake to his truth. You're involved in that relationship. Do you know what your mission becomes? To wake the world up to Jesus. The world being your sphere of influence, those people in your world. Wake the world up, your world, to Jesus. Show them his love now that you're awake to it. Tell them his truth now that you're awake to it. Get them involved now that you're involved with it. And you know what can happen? They'll be transformed great example of how great this is. This last Wednesday, we had thousands of people on the grassy knoll behind our building on this campus, and we got to celebrate as 500 people said yes to God and were baptized. It was just one of the thrilling events of my life, and it was fantastic. And I've been, I've been thinking since Wednesday, man, that was a great thing. I'd love to do it again, but man, everybody in the world got baptized this last Wednesday. You know? It's just not true, is it? There are millions of people around this church alone in this Detroit metropolitan area. Six billion people on the planet. You know what could happen next year? If all of us wake up to Jesus and then make the decision to wake the people in our world up to Jesus, show them his love, tell them his truth, get them involved. You know what could happen next year? We could have to go to two nights because we just don't have enough time to baptize everybody on one night because everybody, everybody in the world is longing to be fully alive. But few people in the world have become fully awake to God and we can be a part of that. I hope that'll be your commitment. And I just really want to encourage you. We're coming into a new ministry season. Next weekend's Labor Day. I hope that you'll be here. It's going to be a great weekend. And then the weekend following, we're starting a brand new series. And here's what happened. We went to Israel because we took a group from here. Because when you go to Israel, you realize that the context of Jesus' ministry of the Bible brings it to life in ways you can't experience otherwise. And we decided while there that we were going to, by video, try and bring as much of Israel back as we could so that we could help the Bible go from black and white to color by introducing you to the context of where it all took place. We're calling this series Origins. Watch.
going to be a life-changing series. Commit to being a part of it. Commit to bringing others, and let's all grow together. Thanks for being here. See you next time. Be. Mm-hmm.